morning, Relentless. Good to see you all. Excuse me as I get my, my, my things together here. Um, my name is Raf. For those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of, uh, of getting to know, I'm the associate pastor here at Relentless, one of the associate pastors here at Relentless, and uh, just really, really excited to be here with you all this morning, uh, share what, what God has put on my heart. I'm excited to jump into this uh, series. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we kicked off a series for the new year called Best Year Ever. Um, and uh, Pastor David kicked it off a couple weeks ago with a message um, called five, about five tips for 2024. So five tips to, to help you have really have the, the best year ever. And there was one tip I just wanted to go back to because it really spoke to me and, and God's been using it to encourage and bless and challenge me in, in my life. And, and, and it's uh, make Jesus the hero of your story. Make Jesus the hero of your story in, in every way, in every situation, in every part of your life. But what that means is to, to you know, not just um, after we make decisions, but before we make them, as we're making them, as we're praying through what we want to do and who we want to be as, as, uh, as employees, as people, as sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and parents and spouses, that we would invite Jesus into that in the middle while we're going through it, that we would uh, hang on to Jesus all throughout that, and on the other side of it, that we would give him all the praise and the, and the glory for, for all the things that he's been doing. Make Jesus the hero of your story in every way is something that, uh, that I'm, I've been challenged to do, and I, and I want to challenge you all to, to continue to do as well. Last week, Pastor David talked about marriage. What would it look like to, to cherish your spouse, and, and uh, uh, for this to be the best year ever of your marriage, not, not just from your perspective, but from, from their perspective, right, which is a little bit more, more challenging. Um, speaking of that, my wife, Missy, and I, we've been married for about 12 years. Um, we, uh, this past September uh, for our anniversary, my, my parents actually happened to be coming into town from Boston, and uh, my, my wife, uh, I'll just give you some context. Both of us come from uh, blended families. Our parents were divorced when we were young and got remarried, and uh, the other kids were in the picture, and we all became like this big, happy Brady Bunch type of deal, right? Um, you, you get the picture, but all that to say, our kids have uh, tons of extra grandparents and uncles and aunts and all that stuff, and it's a beautiful mess uh, that God has been working out in, in a lot of uh, really cool ways, and that's kind of a little bit of our family history. So anyway, um, my... Uh, my parents come into town. We go up to Missy's dad's house. He lives kind of outside of Asheville up in the mountains. And the plan is, you know, to spend some time with family, but also they're going to watch the kids and we're going to go have like an anniversary date, dinner or whatever. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we get there and that night we're having dinner and it's, it's me, my wife, our kids. It's uh, my dad and my stepmom who came from Boston. It's Missy's dad who's been uh, married a few times and uh, now has a, a long-term girlfriend who is also there at dinner. And so um, talking about how they're going to watch the kids and we go out for our anniversary and, and, uh, and, and his girlfriend says, wow, 12 years, that's amazing. Like, can you, do you have any advice for us? Like, can you, how do y'all do it, she says. And, and my, my, my father-in-law who likes to have fun and kind of, you know, twist the knife a little bit, he's like, yeah, Raph, tell me, how do you do it, you know? And I'm like, uh, I'll tell you the truth, honestly, just cling to Jesus. Like, that's all I got for you. I said, cling to Jesus every step of the way. Like, that's, that's, that's the only way I, can, I know how to do it, you know, which I thought was good advice. I felt like that's a pretty good answer. A uh, couple hours later, I'm in the bedroom with my wife. We're talking, and she's like, really? Is it, like, cling to Jesus? Is it that bad that you're clinging to Jesus for dear life? Like, is that really what you want to say? I'm like, that's, I, didn't, I didn't mean it. That's how you heard it. That's not how I meant it, okay? What I was meaning was... 
uh, I know me, I know myself, I know my sinful nature, I know my pride, I know the man I was before I met my wife, I know the man I was before I met Jesus, and that guy didn't have a, a prayer of, of staying married to anyone for 12 years outside of Jesus Christ, okay? And so that's the point I was making. If I had, if I had uh, heard this earlier, this, this been, been I, I should have said make Jesus the hero of your story, right? That would have been so much better. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> truth is, I don't, I don't really feel qualified to give advice about marriage or parenting, for that matter, which is uh, going to be our topic for today, much less stand on a stage and talk about it in front of a group of people, because quite frankly, there's so much that I haven't, I don't know. <laughs> there's so, there, in so many ways, I'm still trying to figure it out, and I, and I think we all are, right, if, if we're being honest. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't necessarily feel confident to, to say, here's the advice I would give you. But there's one thing I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Every, every situation, no matter what you're walking through, there's only, Jesus is the only one, right? There's only one person who can help me to love and honor my wife the way that she truly deserves. That's Jesus. There's only one who can, who can help me be the, be the father, the, the, to, to, to lead my family with the grace and the love and the, and the wisdom that, 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 that I need. It's Jesus. He's the only answer, okay? And, and here's the thing. He wants to do that. He wants to do that for you. He wants to do that for us, and he, and he, and he will if we, if we let it. So title of my message today is called, um, It's Just a Phase. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. Now, this is based on a concept that I was introduced to at a conference, a family ministry conference about eight years ago. Um, and it's based off of this, this initiative that they took. It was called the Phase Project, where basically they, they did years-long studies of kids from all different ages and gathered all the data and basically put it together and said, here's how we reach kids specifically in the phase that they are in. So here's how you reach a, a preschooler. Here's how you reach an elementary schooler um, with all the different things that will help them to develop emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and, and so on. And so it's this huge comprehensive um, deal, initiative that they, they took on, and, and uh, it was really powerful. It stuck me. It, it, it struck me. It stuck with me, and it blessed me in a lot of ways uh, personally, but also uh, it's informed and influenced the way we see kids and the way we try to do ministry here at Relentless Church. And so my hope and my prayer is that, is that it would do the same for you and your family, that it would bless you, that you would catch hold of some of it, and that it would some change some things for you in a, in a positive way. So um, now a lot of what I say, I'll tell you up front, is, is going to be geared towards parents, okay? But stick with me. If you're here today, whether, whether you are a parent, any kind of parent, a step-parent, a foster parent, a guardian, a grandparent, whether you're an older brother or, or sister, an uncle or an aunt or a volunteer who works with kids. I believe that what we're going to talk about today has the potential to dramatically increase your ability to impact and influence the kids in your life. I really do believe that. Okay, it's just a phase, so don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, um, some of y'all I think I saw when that video was playing got a little teary, a little like, oh, you know, in the field. I know first service, that was, that was true. Uh, it was the same thing. The first time I'd seen it was at this same conference. I just pictured an arena, thousands full of people, and the people like grabbing the tissues. Like, Why would you do that to us? You know what I mean? Like, what, did, what is the point? <laughs> right? Um, I promise it's not just to make you emotional and make you sad. Um, we're, we're talking about this idea of a phase in a kid's life, right? Let me define that for you. A phase is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence a kid's future. A specific time frame, 
in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence a kid's future. I heard someone say once, you can fast forward childhood, but you can't rewind it. How many of y'all know that's true, right? It can go faster, but you, you can't go back. You can't go back. Now, if you're a parent uh, uh, with kids or teenagers, you've probably heard an older parent, someone further along the line, say something similar, right, along the way. Hey, they grow up so fast, right? Don't blink. You might, you might miss it. You better enjoy them while you can. They'll be gone before you know it. And if you're anything like me, maybe you're in a season or you've had one of those days where someone said, they grow up so fast, and you're like, not fast enough, <laughs> right? Maybe you better enjoy them while you can, and you're like, actually, I'm not sure I've enjoyed them at all today, <laughs> okay? I'm just being honest, right? They'll be gone before you know it. Meanwhile, for content, I have four kids, okay, from one all the way up to 11. My one-year-old, she'll be two in March. Her name's Nina. She's, she's decided she's not quite ready to potty train, but she doesn't like having a dirty diaper. So she learned how to take it off. And so, right, I got one taken off her diaper. Who knows what's it, just moving on with her daily, right? And, and I'm trying to deal with that. And the other two, she pulled my, he pulled my hair. She hit me. She, can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Dad, can I have a snack? Can I, just let me finish this. Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Yeah, and, and, and I'm trying to clean that. And one thing after another, and someone has the nerve to say, hey, they'll be gone before you know it. And I'm like, take them now, please. You can have them all. I'll give you a deal on all four. <laughs> I knew I'd get some parents in the room. You guys wouldn't leave me up here by myself. <laughs> so now that I know you're not judging me, <laughs> listen, obviously we love our kids. I love my kids to death, right? And I want to have a little fun with this. But the truth is, in all seriousness, there is a tension that comes from knowing the reality that our kids will grow up a lot faster than we ever dreamed. And, and, and most of us have no idea what to do about that, right? That's uh, it's why I kind of have this illustration here. Um, I don't know if you can see it very well. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> a window into my, like, I thought I was buying marbles on Amazon. They're really cheap. Now I know why, because they're, like, actually these little, like, BBs. <laughs> so it's supposed to be bigger, but you guys will get the, the point. Here's what I, where I'm going with this illustration. Uh, the average parent has approximately 936 weeks from the time that their kids are born until the time, the day they graduate high school, 936 weeks. And so um, imagine filling a, a, a jar with 936 marbles or beads or BBs, whatever you may have, right? And every week you take one out. So, so you know, after church, every Sunday, maybe you go home and you take one out. And it's supposed to be this, this physical, this tangible, visual reminder of the, of the time that we have with our kids, right? So for me, this, this big one here represents Nina, my youngest, I've got about 838 weeks left with, with her. Okay, there's 838 for those little beads in there. This is my oldest, Narai. Okay, 393. 393 weeks left. When I was counting out beads this week, putting this thing together, like that crushed me. I'm like, is that real? Like, is it too, what's going on? Is it tri It's flying by, right? That's the point. That's the point. It wasn't to, we didn't show you that video or show you this illustration to, to, to make you sad or to beat you up or to make you feel bad. It's, it's to encourage you. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. When you can see and appreciate and acknowledge how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time that you have now. And the truth is our kids are speeding through each phase of life faster and faster. And if, if we're not careful... It's easy to miss. It's really easy to miss. Why? Because life is hard sometimes. 
because we're all really, really busy, right, with, with, with drop-off and carpool and, and, and work and, and getting everyone fed and cleaned and, and just the nonstop things that life is throwing in our way. There's one thing after another, extracurricular activities, and so it's easy to miss sometimes. Add to that the fact that every phase of life seems to present even bigger challenges. I told you potty training right now, <laughs> that's my least, all four of my kids so far, that's been my least favorite phase, okay? I, I hate potty training, right? Part of it is the fact I think my wife and I still on, four kids in, we're still not on the same page. She wants to put a chart up with some stickers and some like, oh, you got prizes, you go poopy in the potty, you get a prize. And I'm like, if you poop on the floor again, Santa's not coming. Right, that's my approach, okay? So we, we're not quite on the same page there, but I just, oh, it's my least favorite phase. But then I talk to friends who've got teenagers, and they're like, oh, just wait till they hit puberty, right? I got an 11-year-old now. Again, I'm, oh, man, like it's here, right? It's here. If we're not careful, before we know it, we can find ourselves not just missing phases, but sometimes wishing them away, right? We say things like, it's just a phase, but this too shall pass. It's, it's just a phase, but I'll get through it. I'll get through it. And the purpose of this illustration is to encourage you today. Don't embrace an attitude that says it's just a phase. I, I just got to get through it as quickly as possible. But instead to encourage you, hopefully to inspire you as a family to believe this is just a phase and I don't want to miss it. I don't, I don't want to miss a moment of it. And the reason it's so important that you don't miss this phase of your kid's life is so that they don't miss something important that they need for their future. That's what a phase is all about. It's, it's about understanding what is changing so that you can influence the life of your child today in a way that will impact their tomorrow. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, um, full disclosure, this whole, this whole concept of phases and focusing on the different phases of kids' lives and being intentional about leveraging each phase to influence their faith and their character uh, and their future. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a huge deal. And, and, and as I was digging into it to prepare for this message, and uh, it, it was overwhelming. Just the sheer amount of content and information and resources and all these great stuff out there that's really, really good, but it was just so much. And I was like, how am I going to put all this into, into one message? And the truth is I can't. And even if I could, it would be way too much information for you to download in one, in one sitting. Okay, and so uh, as we continue to come across these resources, as, as, as um, we learn, we want to equip you and, and put those resources in your hands, make them available to you. So I got a couple that I just want to highlight. We put together a page on our website. Um, if you go on the main page, relentlesschurch.cc, under the Connect tab, it says Resources. Um, and there's all types of resources there. But if you scroll to the bottom, it's Kids and Family Resources. And, and we put together um, a lot of the best stuff that I found. There's, there are these maps, they're called phase maps, that'll walk you through each phase of a kid's life for specific areas. So there's, a fa there's one for faith that says, like, here's how you talk to your preschooler about, about faith. Here are the questions you ask your elementary school about faith. Here, here are the things that you want to talk to. Here's how you approach the conversation when they're in middle school and high school. We have them for sexual integrity. We have them for technology and, and health and all types of things. So um, there's, there's lots of other great resources up there. So I encourage you to go check that out. There's also an app called the Parent Q app, the Parent Q app. And I'll, I'll show you what that looks like. That's a snapshot of, of mine. So it's basically like the marble illustration in the form of, a, of an app 
you can put in your kid's name, you can download a picture or upload a picture, and you put in their birth date, and it will tell you, and it will send you notifications, keep a running clock of how much time you have left with each of them. But the app is really cool. It's got all types of uh, family devotionals. It's got uh, different tips and things to help you have uh, start conversations, how to leverage drive time and bedtime and dinner time with your kids. There's all types of helpful resources there. So it's blessed me. I, I wanted to put it out there, and, and it's, a, it's free to download. It's called Parent Q. So, again, as we get these things, I want to be able to put them in your hands and try to set you up to win uh, as a family. Um, but just know this is going to be an ongoing conversation, like a dialogue where we as a church can hopefully come alongside families and, and help, help you um, to, to really try to leverage Jesus for, for your kids, for their future, for their, for their relational, emotional, and spiritual health. And so at every phase of a kid's life, we want to do that. That's big picture, okay? But for today, as I prayed about and really dug into what I think God wanted me to um, share today, what he wanted to communicate to us, I think he wanted me to pare it down and, and just focus on one thing, okay? One thing, one big thing, one belief, so important, yet so simple, that as soon as you hear it, you're going to be like, yeah, that's obvious, right? Or, Oh, yeah, I knew that. Like, of course that's true. But I want you to just stop and really think about it for a minute. I want you to think about the weight of this belief and what it really, really means, okay? And so here, here it goes. One belief, every kid is created in the image of God. Every kid is created in the image of God. Again, I want you to think about what that means. Children have, have the stamp of God's image imprinted on their lives. Now, the reality is that's true of every human being, right? Every, every person on God's green earth is created in his image, okay? We're all created in God's image, and we would do well to remember that. But, but I highlight kids here because sometimes as adults, we tend to forget that every kid is made in the image of God. That means they have the divine capacity to believe, to imagine, and to love, to relate, to care, and to trust, to reason, to improve, and to, and to lead. That's a whole lot of potential, a whole lot of potential. That's why a three-year-old can pretty much recite every song from every Disney movie ever created, even the ones they haven't even seen yet, right? It's, it's why the fourth grader who, who wins the fourth grade spelling bee knows how to, uh, how to spell words that I can't even pronounce, okay? It's why, it's why your seventh grader can navigate that newest piece of technology almost as if they invented it themselves, okay? It's because that kid is made in the image of God. Is God in them, his light flickering, shining through them. And when you remind yourself consistently that kids are made in the image of God, it can change how you see them. It can change how they see themselves. It can change how they see God. When you learn to see God's image in your kid, it increases the potential for your kid to see God. And when kids begin to understand that they're made in the image of God, they tend to look at the world and themselves a little bit differently. What would happen if we all decided collectively to treat every kid like they're made in the image of God? And again, it, 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 it seems obvious at first, especially if you grew up in church. It's Theology 101, right? Genesis chapter 1, very first book in the Bible, first chapter, 26 and 27, verse 26, 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Not only that, after he created them, God said, it is good. He said, it is very good. It is very good. But you'd be surprised to see just how easy it is for us to forget this. Okay? In other words, we miss it. We miss it as parents sometimes. Again, because we're busy with, with life and all the things that's thrown at us, because we're stressed or overwhelmed or have so many things going on, we miss it as the church sometimes because we treat kids like they're not old enough or mature enough or important enough or, or spiritual enough to do anything significant. And guess what? We're not the only ones who missed it. Jesus' disciples missed it too. He had to rebuke them for it. In Mark chapter 10, check it out. Verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. These parents wanted to dedicate their children to Jesus basically. And, and so uh, Jesus is teaching and they show up. They bring their kids. They want Jesus to lay hands on them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Jesus got upset, right? He got angry with his disciples because they're trying to keep the kids and, and parents who wanted their kids to meet Jesus. He's trying to keep them from, from getting to him, right? They, in their minds, they're helping Jesus. Like, oh, he's too important. He's got busy. He's got a lot of things to do. He ain't got time for these kids. Jesus is like, no. Do not hinder them. Do not stop them from coming to me, right? Jesus says, don't make it hard for kids to come to Jesus. And then he goes on to say that the kingdom of God is reflected in a child. Verse 15, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Jesus says to his disciples, if, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, you need to become like a child. I'm sure they're thinking, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? Obviously, a grown adult can't become a child again. Jesus, what are you talking about? And I think he's talking about receiving, trusting and receiving like children do. Right? There's something about children, the nature of a child, who, especially if it's someone that they trust, like a loving parent, right? A loving mother or father says something to their child, they trust it. They trust it on faith because they know that that parent loves them, right? This is what Jesus is communicating. Think about, you ever give a child a gift and they're like, no, thanks, I don't want that. No, they're like, yes, thank you, right? If they got manners, they say thank you, but they're running off to play with whatever you gave them. They ain't thinking about it twice. I'm 42 years old. Sometimes people try to give me something or help me or bless me. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't, no, I, think, I don't need that. I think I'm good. I think I can, right? Like, I don't know how to receive a gift. There's something in me, right? It's pride. It's whatever it is. But I think that's what God's communicating. Like, no, you need to be like a child and receive this gift that I'm giving you as your loving father. And trust me like you should. Just like little kids trust their parents. That's how you need to trust me. That's what he means to be like a child. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say kids need to become like adults before they can relate to God. But he said, no, 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 it's the opposite. You adults need to become like children before you can relate to God. Jesus is raising the bar for how we, how we view, how we see, how we talk about kids. You don't have to take my word for it. Again, you can take his. Mark chapter 9, verse 37. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. In other words, Jesus says, I, I want you to treat kids the same way you treat me. And, and by the way, in case you forgot, 
or didn't realize it yet, I'm God. I'm God. And so when you welcome a child, you're welcoming me. How you speak to a child, how you treat a child is how you're treating me. Now I'm paraphrasing here. Those are my own words, but the point remains the same, right? Jesus thinks kids are a pretty big deal, doesn't he? It's almost as if Jesus was suggesting no one should feel more welcomed at your church than a screaming baby. No one should feel more welcomed at your church than a, than a bratty kid. No one should feel more welcomed at your church than a hormonal middle schooler or a defiant teenager. Now, don't get me wrong. I know kids aren't perfect, right? You heard me talk about my kids, okay? I know that, that they have sin. I know that they mess up. I know they, they have a dark side just like we do. But the, the truth is we don't often miss that, do we? Some of us have been so programmed to see what is wrong about our kids that we've forgotten to see what is right about them. The image of God in them. That's why Jesus said you should become, you should welcome every kid and every teenager as if you are welcoming God. Because they were created by God. They reflect the image of God and they are loved by God. And as such, they all have the, the unique potential and worth that he put inside of them. And that's why we need to look a little bit deeper sometimes. We need, to, we need to pay close attention so that we can still see that flicker of God's image inside every kid. When you learn to see kids like they're made in the image of God, it increases a kid's potential to see God. When we learn to look at every kid like they're made in the image of God, it will increase their potential to see God for themselves in their own life. And when kids grow up believing that they're made by God, then they'll grow up wanting to know the God that made them. Think about it. Have you ever noticed how kids seem to have an unusual openness and curiosity about spiritual things? Like kids don't, they don't usually mind talking about God. I'll tell you that firsthand from when I'm back there in RC Kids. They don't have a problem talking about spiritual things. They don't mind talking to God, right? They, 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 they love it. You typically don't have to prove to a child that God exists. They believe you. They just, you tell them and they believe you, right? They take it on, on faith. Why is that? Maybe it's because God himself wired them that way. He wired kids to imagine and to believe and to trust from the time that they were born. And then what happens as we grow up and we get older and we progress through life? Life kind of beats that out of us, right? But that's not the way it's supposed to be. I think God wanted us to hold on to that. What if, what if we can get kids to begin to understand and hold on to the fact that they are made in the image of God? They'll, they'll begin to see the world and themselves in an entirely different way. And so this one idea could affect every other aspect of their lives. It could shape how they make decisions. It could, it could shape how they treat their body, how they view sex, how they use technology, how they relate to their parents, how they, how they treat other people, how they care about others, how they, how they view the church, and ultimately how they trust God. Which is why this idea, this one belief that every kid is created in the image of God is too important for us to miss. It's way too important to miss. By the way, those of you who are parents in the room, have you ever wondered what makes you love your kids so much? Like, well, like what is it? Where does that drive come from that makes you want to be a better parent? It's because you are made in the image of God too. It's the, it's the image of your heavenly father flickering inside of you as a mom or a dad. 
That's why every parent shares one thing in common. We all, we all want the best for our kids, right? The very best. We all want our sons or daughters to have the best future they could possibly have. You don't just want your kids to be happy and successful, but you want them to thrive. You want them to, to live the fullest life possible. You want them to experience real love, unconditional love. You want them to always know that they matter, that they have value, that they're significant. Why? Because you are a parent created in the image of a heavenly father who loves them too. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't underestimate the potential we have as humans to reflect God's image. Because if we miss this, we may not just be ignoring a child, but we may be ignoring God. And we're ignoring the potential every, every child has to know God. It's one simple belief that could honestly change how you see every kid and ultimately how every kid sees God. Because when you treat every kid like they're made in the image of God, you appeal to their potential to respond and to relate to God. We've got a, a verse we, we recite almost every week, or if we don't recite it, everything we talk about flows from it when we're back in RC Kids. It's what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said the religious leaders came to him said, trying to trip him up. What's the most important commandment, right? They're talking about all of Scripture and all the entire Old Testament Bible. What's the most important commandment, Jesus? How do you mean? There are thousands of them, right, and, and, and thinking they can trip him up. And Jesus says, um, well, first of all, let me say this. As a church, we, we, we hold God's word very highly, okay? We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and that it is all true, okay? But I also want you to know, and I'm not... This, I get this from Jesus, I believe, okay, that not all truth is created equal. That everything in there is true, but at least according to Jesus, there's a hierarchy of that truth. And he said, all the other truth flows from this. This is the greatest commandment. This is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we distill this down and try to make it um, digestible and approachable for kids and, and what we want them to walk out of here with is love God, love life, love others. Love God with all your heart, all your soul. It says love others. How? As you love yourself, right? So love life and you got to love others. It's what we want every single kid to, to be able to grab hold of. Because when kids learn to love God, it will influence their future in a positive way. When kids love God, it leads to deeper faith. When kids love God, it leads to loving others. When kids love others, it leads to stronger relationships. When kids love God, it leads to loving themselves. And when kids love themselves, they make better decisions. You see, when you treat kids like they're made in the image of God, you open the door for them to trust God's character. You show them how to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and you open the door for them to know and to put their trust in Jesus and ultimately to follow him. Jesus, uh, shortly after that, that conversation he had with the disciples in Mark chapter 10, when he's, he's kind of rebuking them about the kids, um, at, right after that they continued traveling to another village where Jesus would perform miracles and healed some, healed some people. But in between there, as they were traveling, he had another conversation with them. And, and, and uh, what he did was he, he predicted his death. He told his disciples for the third time in, in, in great detail how he was going to, to die and come back to life. 
okay? Again, this is the third time he, he, he told them the same thing. It was almost as if they weren't getting it, right? They were, they were slow to pick it up. As if Jesus is reminding them, hey, don't miss it. Don't, don't miss this. It's, it's not only are you all made in the image of God, but remember that I am God, that I put on flesh, and I came down here to earth to live the perfect life that you can never live and die the sinner's death that you deserve to die and pay the ultimate price that you could never pay. And, and, and it wasn't just so that you could live forever in eternity with, with your heavenly father, but also so that you can walk in freedom here and now and so that you would have a testimony, so that you would have a story to tell and that you would share that story, okay, that, that by his grace you would have a testimony to share and a story to tell about the incredible news of your rescue and adoption by God through Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life and, and, and died on a cross, and, and the by the power of his resurrection gives us new life. We get to walk in that new life. I was listening to a, um, a podcast about the NFL. Um, you know, it's, it's coaching season, so a lot of coaches got fired, a lot of new coaches are getting hired, and long story short, uh, it was an interview with Pete Carroll, who used to coach the Seattle Seahawks, and he was talking about, um, he recently lost his job, but this was an older quote from the last time he got fired. He went on, after that, he got a new job and won Super Bowls and championships and all that stuff. But the point was, and it's the quote that spoke to me, they were talking about, man, how do you come back from something like that, a devastating loss, and then you come back and you're on top again, and he said, man, I've already been dead once. He said, when they killed me, you can't kill me more than once. Once they killed me, I had nothing else to lose. And so I just went for it. And then he became one of the greatest coaches ever, you know. But that, you can't, I already been dead, right. That's, that quote just stuck with me. It's like if, if, you, if you have the gospel, right, if we're walking in Jesus Christ, please, if nobody ever told you this, let me tell you now, you've already been dead once. They can't kill you again. So now let's live. Right? You get to live for Jesus. And I think one of the most important things we can do is make sure that every kid knows that story, that that's their story, that they have life, real life, everlasting from our Father, right, from our Heavenly Father. And considering everything else we've talked about today, I just, I can't think of a better way to spread that message, right? We're meant to share the gospel. What better way to, to spread that message than to make sure that we sear it into the hearts and minds of every kid who walks through this building? So that they would know, so that a generation would know what it really means to love God and love life and love other people. It's just a phase, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. Too much hangs in the balance. Don't miss the opportunity we have right now to influence your kids, our kids, our church, our families, our community, I really do believe if we can grab hold of this, if every child grabs hold of this, if every parent would collectively grab hold of this, we could change the world. I think that was God's plan. I'm just crazy enough to believe that it can happen, right? And, and, and it's big, fat, crazy faith, faith in Jesus and what he came to do and who he's calling us to be. And I do, I think this one simple belief could, could set us on that trajectory, amen? Let me pray for y'all. Father, thank you for this day. God, I thank you so much for this church. I'm grateful for all of these people, Lord, that you've, you've brought here together, God. Um, thank you for, for the unity that we have in you, God. I just want to pray your blessing over every single child that's represented here today, God, and those that are going to come, those that have come before, Lord. 
I just pray you would do what only you can do in their hearts and minds. And I pray that you would help us, God, not to miss it, not to miss the, the daily opportunities that you put in front of us, God, not just to love our kids, but to love them in a way that would reflect, that reflects your love. God, that reflects your image that's in them and that's in us, God. And I pray that would be a game changer for them and for us, God, that it would draw us closer to you, God, that, that we would lean into our story, the freedom, the life that we have in you, God, and that that would change how we interact with the world around us, God. We love you. We praise you. We, we need you, God. Help us to cling to you this week in every way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday.